into the party wagon and hold on to your pizza. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Adventures, issue number five. Plot by Dean Clarain and Ryan Brown. Written by Dean Clarain. Penciled by Ken Mitroni. Inked by Dave Garcia. We start off with a cover where we can see the back of a Man Ray looking character. So we know this to be, um, in the comic they'll call him Man Ray. However, uh, the, the toy was called Ray Filet. He's holding a harpoon gun. He is facing the Statue of Liberty where the turtles seem to be fighting on the beach with the shredder. Open up to page one. Something fishy goes down. The turtles look on in awe as they look on to see a manta ray in the uh, aquarium. They're all dressed in disguises. They say, gosh, wow, we like. They're pretty excited. They're definitely in awe. It says, July, early evening, the Burroughs Aquarium outside Jersey City, New Jersey. What a totally rad fish, says Leonardo. Um, excuse me, says a man. Uh, be cool, guys, says Mikey. But that's no mere fish. That's a ray. A ray, and because of his cephalatic fins, his head fins, they're called the Lesser Devil Ray, more commonly known as the Manta. Um, I've heard of them, dude. Oh, I bet, he says to Donnie. They're found in the Atlantic waters from Brazil to North Carolina, occasionally even off New Jersey. They live near the water's surface, so they've been known to leap excitedly clear out of the water. He's making sort of Devil Ray uh, horns with a pure, joyous, graceful innocence. Cool, says Leonardo. The coolest, the man says back. That is, he's a man with glasses. He has a blue tie. He has slicked back hair and kind of buck teeth. He says, that's as long as the coastal pollution doesn't do them in. Hate to tell you guys, but we're closing up now. The turtles leave as he waves goodbye as they go out the door. Michelangelo says to the group, hey, let's file the shore back to New York. Yeah, says the other turtles as they agree. Sounds like a plan. Good, there's a full moon out. We've got quite a hike. They make their way down the beach. Let's make like some rad ninja dudes that we are and get some pizza and some pizza before I kneel, keel over from starvation after seeing those fish. Maybe so hungry. Meanwhile, nearby in the New York Harbor, we see what looks like a bullet torpedo uh, shaped like a fish, but is actually a uh, white submarine containing the Shredder who's talking to Krang while Bebop and Rocksteady are, are, seem to be mopping the decks inside. What do you mean you spilled a barrel of mutagen into the sewer? Saki, do you realize how rare and costly that substance is? But Krang, it wasn't my fault. It was the imbeciles. Bebop and Rocksteady. How much of the barrel were they able to save? Um, none, Krang. None? Saki, you fool. I hope you've punished those boneheads. I'll get to that, Krang. He has them mopping up inside. Right now, I must tell you of my plans for this evening, of how I'm going to make the 4th of July. New Yorkers will never forget. You never cease to amaze me, Saki. I'm quite serious, Krang. Just listen. We see in the scene, um, Bebop and Rocksteady. Rocksteady has gotten his foot stuck in the mop water bucket. Uh, gee, Bebop, uh, I kind of like July 4th. Uh, yeah, so do I. I like explosions, he says to Rocksteady. But I don't like being underwater. Why not? You just never know what's out there in the dark. Moving on, we see the man with the slicked back hair goes up to see the ray before he leaves for the evening. I'm going to shut off the lights now. You're so friendly. I'll see you tomorrow. He reaches down to pat the top of the head of the manta ray as he leaves. Now for some real work. He takes his car and he drives off. 
7 p.m. on my way to that sewer pipe on Bayview Beach. He's got a little tape recorder there that he seems to be talking to to document some, some finds that he finds. I suspect the sewer pipe is used for illegal discharges for a multitude of violators, but I lack proof. What? He reaches down and grabs some ooze on his hand. We can see that the green mutagen is oozing down off of his hand. He's not sure what to make of it. 7.15, I've discovered a strange glowing gel in the pipe's emission. I must check the pipe for samples of this emission. Well, I've got a feeling I should have worn gloves. He hears a rumble. Ah, whoosh. Sometimes I hate being right. The man and his tape recorder are swooshed out to sea. We see his hand raised from the water as he is swept out into the inlet. And then it's like it's just the water through the grass. Another part of the beach, we see Leonardo peek his head out from some salt grass. Just behind him is Michelangelo, Donatello, and Raphael. They say the coast is clear. Let's hit the beach! They start horsing around, and you can see that they're starting to fight and spar with each other. Leonardo tells him to take a break, because it feels like they're being watched. We see the next scene is the periscope for the submarine that, that Bebop and Rocksteady are, are manning. Bit of a coloring error here, where it looks like Leonardo was colored with Michelangelo's mask, because it's the exact same face that he was making, so you can clearly tell that it was him. Oh, well, small error. So Bebop and Rocksteady are telling are telling Shredder that they've found the turtles on the beach. Shredder is still talking to Krang, so Bebop says, The Shredder ain't gonna be mad after this. After what? After we tell him we got the turtles. That explains certain aspects of Dimension X, but I still... Mr. Shredder! Can't believe you idiots see I'm talking to Krang. But Master Shredder, the turtles are on the beach! How convenient. With the turtles out of the way, I can proceed with my plans to ruin the 4th of July celebration by destroying the Statue of Liberty. Rock steady. Aim a torpedo at the beach. And on my word, fire! We see a silhouette of a black manta ray go just before the, just before the submarine as the submarine launches a torpedo straight at the beach. The next scene is of the turtles standing on the beach who say, uh-oh, as they can see the they could see the oncoming torpedo to them breaking water from the surface. Torpedo! Hey, what's that? We see something snag the torpedo from the bottom and then floop. Then all of a sudden, the torpedo is turned right back at the at the submarine. Bebop looks on the periscope and says, Duh, Mr. Shredder, you ain't gonna believe this, bud. Idiot, raise the sub now. The sub raises and just barely, and the torpedo just barely bounces off the sides with a blang. Hey, look, says Donatello. I don't believe this. Get back to the base immediately. There had to be... There had better not be much damage. Seems the torpedo has bounced off the side and did not explode. The turtles sit and commiserate on, on the beach. We could have been killed! What do you make of it, Leonardo? Well, there's no way we can catch them, whoever they are. Still, I wonder what that was that stopped the torpedo. Bet you have a guardian angelfish, says Michelangelo. A short while later, the Shredder's secret peer beneath the city. Ah, there's no damage to the sub. The gods must be smiling upon you two buffoons tonight. Come along, assist me in carrying the proper explosives from the storage area to the sub. And if you so much as drop one thing, I'll, I'll make boots from the both of your hides. We see what looks like a boot come up and go thump on the side of the sub. And it puts a yellow package on that says, Caution, Plastic Explosives. Elsewhere in the sewer, the turtles sit there as they're uh, coming in through the beach, through the water. Leonardo, have you gotten us lost? Why, of course not, Raphael. 
Quick, spread out! Whoa, Jaws 4! As they look down and see in the water, there's a giant... There's a giant silhouette of something that they think is a shark. Weird. Something fishy's going on around here for sure, says Donatello. Hey, look, there's a light towards the end of that tunnel, says Leonardo. The turtles emerge in a sewer pipe just above where the dock and the pier that Shredder parked their submarine. Well, what do you know? They look out upon it. They all jump down into the water. What do you say, brothers? Shall we stow away and see what's going down? Cool. The turtles get in. Elsewhere, we see the Statue of Liberty in a silhouette of a man ray. Lost track of time. Late, serious moonlight, so bright, almost hate to do what I must be done. As this shadowy figure speaks into his uh, tape recorder. Plastic explosive attached to sub. Will detonate with harpoon. Will detonate in harbor, away from city. Must save people. Must save water. Must save liberty. With a sploosh, she's gone into the water. We see his perspective as he's in the water, moving towards what looks like a uh, wrecked car. On top of that car is a harpoon gun. He takes the harpoon gun, and he points it at the sub. Through the sub's porthole in the rear, we can see Michelangelo stick his face out. Nah, I can't see nothing, Don, but we're definitely in deep water. Rocksteady discovers them. Hey, it's you guys again! Use guys? What dopes? says Mikey. Let's get em, says Bebop. Rocksteady's, yeah! As they attempt to fight the turtles. They're quickly both taken by surprise by Donnie from behind. Chill out, you boneheads! As they smash both of them into the wall, Rocksteady's horn gets lodged in the side of the sub, causing a, a breach in the hull. Nice going, boys. Where's the little Dutch boy when you really need him? says Leonardo. A good leader knows when to quit. As Shredder sees this opportunity to take leave, he goes out the escape hatch with a little sled, and he has um, he has two air-breathing um, cables that are attached to the side of his mask, so he can he can kind of breathe as he goes out. With my new air tank and submersible, I'll make it back to base in no time. Sink or swim, fools! Uh, Mister Shredder, don't leave us here! As the turtles attach lifesavers to them with funk shunk taking them up as the sub sinks to the bottom of the ocean. How humiliating! Duh, Bebop, are there sharks around here? They look a little bit worried, but the turtles have pulled them out. Boy, are they dumb. Just keep swimming, Raphael. The island's not far. Ha, as Shredder tries to make his escape. <laughs> well, what's that? He's confronted by the giant man ray, a towering, muscular, blue figure that looks like a, a mixture of a man and a ray with a green and yellow-striped outfit holding the harpoon gun. I am the end to your twisted plans, evil one. I am Man Ray. Man Ray, it must have been you who turned the torpedo back on us. It was you who saved those annoying turtles. As Shredder underwater prepares to fight him, he throws a kick. Have at you, monster. You, you are the monster. As Man Ray takes a swipe with his mighty fist and misses as the Shredder ducks underneath and then comes back with a thump as he hits him straight in the midsection, sending him reeling. He slices at him with his with his claws and misses as Man Ray laughs and then grabs onto his air tanks and pulls them apart and rips them and then grabs Shredder by the cape and drags him towards the surface. He pulls him up onto the beach and then says... Must get back to water to rest. Pardon me. As Shredder kicks a large amount of sand into his eyes, he says, Always wanted to do that. To your fate, fool. As Shredder runs off to get away. The turtles come up quickly behind him. Hey, dude, are you all right? 
I'm fine. Where is... The Shredder got away again. But it looks like the five of us have put an end to whatever plans he had. Plans to destroy... Plans to destroy Liberty. Ruin fireworks celebration tonight. But new body difficult to speak. I must return to the water. Well, friend, go in peace. And thank you! So long! Fireworks tonight, huh? Yeah, behind us. Wonder what his story is. Looks like one of them aquarium manta rays. Like some sort of manta man. The next scene we see the turtles on the beach watching the firework display. The Statue of Liberty in the back as they see a boom, boom, boom. With red, yellow, and green, and blue fireworks that have blown up. Wherever he is, he's going to miss the celebration. Wow, the turtles stand and watch in awe. I'm hungry, I want pizza, like now, says Michelangelo. That's the end of issue number five of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Adventures. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Adventures number six of Turtles and Stones and Merry Bones. Plot by Ryan Brown and Dean Clarain. Written by Dean Clarain. Pencils by Ken Mitroni. Inks by Dave Garcia. We start out on the bayou. We see an alligator go by. We hear a little bit of uh, narration from a character who stands off looking at a uh, sort of foreboding-looking cabin. An owl hoots. I was born Jess Hardy. Born and raised on the bayou. Born into this hidden world of natural beauty and human squalor. The hut belongs to Mary Bones, long whispered to be some kind of swamp witch. My childhood fears have always kept me from this part of the swamp. However, I come here tonight because I tire of living in poverty. I want out so bad. So as he looks in, he peers into the cottage and we can see the various curiosities, including a giant alligator skin that's on the wall, a jar of various eyeballs, a lit candle, and then we see Jess looks at, looks like a giant crystal ball. So he reaches over. I've put my fears aside. Doesn't look like anyone's around. Figure there must be something of value here. Yes, this one's probably worth a lot. As he grabs the crystal ball and he takes off away. Better get going before she returns and catches me. She probably skinned my hide, that old gator. Or worse. A little bit of foreshadowing as we see an alligator skull with a candle belted onto it. We see Jess... Getting off of a bus marked New York City. Several days later, I arrive in New York City, hoping to sell the gym for a large sum of money. Looking around, he can see the hustle and bustle and so many people he's just unused to. The uh, high buildings and just people, rich people getting into cabs and poor people sleeping on the ground. Uh, just, you know, such a, a difference from what he's seen before. He's just so caught up by the sights and the sounds that he doesn't notice a taxi running into a car and he causes an accident right in front of him. He makes a uh, sidelong view as he uh, sees a police officer who shares a look back with him. Then all of a sudden, he drops the gem as uh, he is bumped on the side by what appears to be uh, Michelangelo. Sorry, fella. Hey, look, there's a pizzeria. I failed to see the approach of the stranger. Oh, when you see plink, 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 it bounces off and into a storm drain. Jess is beside himself. No! He runs across traffic. Honk, honk, honk. He looks down the storm drain and reaches his arms down to try to get anything. He can't quite reach it. He looks over to his side and sees a subway entrance. With that subway entrance, he's going to actually go down and see if he can find this. Meanwhile, another part of the city, just down the road, we see the turtles coming into the big pe big city pizza, where they're trying to order some pizza. 
The woman smokes a cigarette as she takes their order, is less impressed with them, as you would imagine. Um, there is a sign on the back of the wall that says, Turtle Soup, mmm, good, 25 cents. Your largest whole wheat with mushrooms, onions, peppers, black olives, and cheese. Extra cheese, ground beef, a smattering of a sweet Italian sausage, and pepperoni, lots of pepperoni, lots of rhubarb and kiwi fruit, and fried clams and peanut butter cups. Uh, hey, if it's no problem, could you hold the onions on that one quarter of that? She just looks at them as a end of her cigarette falls down. Clearly, she's not impressed. Jess makes his way into the subway. He looks down the tunnel as he makes his way to try to get into the sewer. This place is like a swamp, but without light or green. All right, he's excited as he finds the stone. He picks it up. I'll just clean you off a bit. Is my imagination or you begin to glow brightly? Strange. The hairs on the back of my neck are suddenly on end. Behind him we see, What you got there, Jess Harley? A woman with a bear-tooth necklace and a red, red gown with some curly black hair and she has an alligator skin strewn apart across her head. Uh, he's pretty scared. You can see from behind. Something that doesn't belong to you, I gather, but to me. Now give it here before I tan your hide or worse. I, I took it only for the money. I, I did it for the money. Ah, the ubiquitous lamentation of the lost age. Listen, Jess Harley, and listen well. Mary Bones is who this is. She takes the stone and lifts it high as it begins to glow and emit a strange energy. This is no ordinary gem. This is the turnstone, a device of great power capable of awesome change. Some call it a directional thought transanimator. Boom! Allow me to demonstrate. First, I choose the object at which to direct my thoughts. Object I wish to change. You, Jess Harley. And then think of how I wish to change you. Oh... How must you pay the price for stealing from me? As we can see, Jess, his eye begins to change and become more reptilian, his countenance green. And in the next panel, we can see that he has become... You were stupid and brave to take this yours, what's not yours, Jess Harley. And now, I make you less and more than you were. I make you... A leatherhead! No! He screams in terror. As we look on to see, he is in fact the leatherhead that we know and love. The alligator man. He pleads with her. He pleads with her. No, don't leave me this way! And as she turns to walk away, he, r he runs to try to get her. And she disappears in a puff of smoke, laughing at him. He busts through the wall and then down several flights of ceilings, as you say, that he, broke he breaks through until he finally lands on an operating table, then falls asleep unconscious. Mmm, he's passed out. Duh, looks like some kind of alligator man. <laughs> yeah, too many steroids. The Shredder, Rocksteady, and Bebop look on at Leatherhead on the operating table. They see how he has fallen through the ceiling. Hmm, he seems to be alone. Let's find out what this is all about. Wake up, beast! Oh, oh, hey, you're, you're animal men like me, Leatherhead says as he looks on at Rocksteady and Bebop. Yes, uh, they are Rocksteady and Bebop, and I am Saki the Shredder. Why don't you tell us how you came to be here? One lengthy explanation later... Leatherhead explains to the Shredder at Rocksteady and Bebop how he was changed into his current state by Mary Bones.
Next thing you know, I'm falling below the sewers, only to wake up here, and it's a good thing you did, Jess. Bebop and Rocksteady are also victims of this Mary Bones and her evil turnstone. Bebop used to be my accountant, and Rocksteady my real estate agent. He found this place. The two Cretans look on. Huh? They're confused. Really? Oh, sure. As a matter of fact, it was those nasty Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles who captured Bebop and Rocksteady and brought them to Mary Bones. These vile creatures. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. As Shredder flips on a video screen where we can see the turtles who are racing on their cheapskates through the sewers. They're giant motorized uh, skateboards that have big fans like airboats on the back of them to make them go faster. And you know something? These four willingly allowed Mary Bones to transfer them into the forms that you see. And they asked to be her evil servant? Sure did. And you know what else? The turtles hold the secret to regaining your body of Jess Harley. They do? Then, then shouldn't we bring them to justice? That's just what I was thinking. Bebop, Rocksteady, why don't the three of you set out to capture the turtles? All right, uh, thanks to Mr. Shredder. Hmm, looks like they're headed towards a tunnel system beneath Bleecker Street. Then, uh, we're out of here. Just show me the way. Ugh. Be careful, Jess. Those turtles will stop at nothing to be def from being defeated. <laughs> I'm such a good liar, the Shredder says, as we see a sinister look in his eye as he sends off a determined leatherhead with Bebop and Rocksteady. Later, in Dimension X, the Technodrome, we see Krang, who's just watching Galactic Wrestling. He's interrupted by the Shredder, who, acts, who uh, sends him a message. Krang, I believe I finally see an end in sight to those annoying turtles. Listen to this. There's this bayou witch who... Another lengthy explanation later, he explains who Mary Bones was and how she did it. Turnstone, you say? The directional thought transanimator on Earth? Uh, that is what Leatherhead referred to it as. That was no swamp witch. Mary Bones must be a being like myself. A banished warlord from Dimension X. Saki, you fool. Only another warlord would have knowledge of the transanimator. If she's there on Earth, it must I must have it. With the turnstone, I may not only regain my original body, but I may be able to gain control of this entire dimension as well. Saki, you must get it for me. Bring Leatherhead back and have him tell you the whereabouts of Mary Bones. Oh, I will, Krang, but only so we can first use the turnstone to dispose of those meddlesome turtles. Agreed! Now go! At that moment, back on Earth, the turtles are still riding in their cheapskates. They're racing along in the sewer tunnel. Michelangelo says, Here's the underground river bridge that I was telling you guys about. Neat! Amazing! As they all disembark and leave their cheapskates on the side to go and take a look at this, it's a very large aqueduct-looking bridge. Amazing, Raph! This is beneath the city? Let's check it out! Quite the wild thing, isn't it? Wow! You can't even see the river! What? Swoosh! As a giant alligator tail swoops up past Michelangelo. Holy cow, look out, Raphael says, as they look over at Bebop and Rocksteady, who dispose of their cheapskates by throwing them over the side of the bridge. <laughs> you stupid toitles. Evil jerks, says Leatherhead. Evil jerks? The turtles question. It took me weeks to build those cheapskates, says Donatello. Too bad, Hosa. <laughs> yeah. 
Now let's get them for Mr. Shredder. I want to be a human again. Let's get them, brothers, says Leonardo. Gangway dudes coming through, says Michelangelo. As he hits, as um, Rocksteady charges towards Leonardo with a quick kick, he kicks him back into Bebop, knocking the two knocking the two out in the process. Leatherhead runs and grabs onto, gets a good grasp on Raphael by the neck. He says, Why did you call us evil jerks? Because you ally yourself with the evil witch Merit Bones. What if we told you we don't know any evil witches? I'd say that is the true nature of evil, to lie. Raphael hits him with an open palm strike. And besides, the Shredder told me all about you four, about how you helped turn his accountant and real estate agent into a monster of bebop and rocksteady. What? Those two were common criminal goons mutated by the Shredder in order to beat us. As Leatherhead takes this opportunity while he's listening to pop him right in the stomach with a big punch. Are you ever gullible? <clears throat> Liar. I mean, do either of them sound like an accountant or a real estate agent to you? says Raphael. Leatherhead seems to be getting a little bit skeptical as he as he looks over to see Leonardo, who's jump-kicking at, at Rocksteady. Use titles as stew meat now. Toidle soup meat. Think again, musclehead. Well, I didn't mean to, as Leonardo kicks Rocksteady off the edge of the bridge. He reaches over and grabs him so he doesn't fall to his death. Rocksteady's thankful. Thanks! Oof! Oh, sucker! As he sucker punches Leonardo right in the gut to take him down. Leatherhead sees this with Raphael. Raphael says, Jerk! Just then, the Shredder appears. Cutting move, Rocksteady. Let's get going. Let's leave these foolish turtles to their fate. All of a sudden, Leatherhead says, No, I think it's you who's been foolish, who's chosen to believe your creatures. You're a bad man, Shredder. You're a liar! You used me. You had no intention of returning me to normal. Correct, beast. So I wanted to be just Holly again. Just, maybe there's a way we still can find Mer- As Leatherhead swings them off as he's in between both parties and starts stamping his tail very hard on the bridge. No, I want nothing to do with any of you no more. No, no, no. Just don't the bridge, says Leonardo. As Leatherhead slaps down his tail another thunderous time and the bridge gives way beneath him. He's gone, says Bebop. And then so the Shredder, Rocksteady, and Bebop take off in the other direction, leaving the turtles on the other side of the bridge. Jerks, says Michelangelo, as they head off into the next tunnel across the way. Look, a light! The turtles run into none other than Mary Bones, who is uh, standing there with her gown and her alligator uh, skin on her head. Yikes, Mary B -B Bones! Indeed, warriors are good. More not for Leatherhead, for while it appears you have lost this confrontation, take heart that the knowledge from the final conflict victory shall be yours. As she looks into the transanimator, much like a tr crystal ball. What? What final conflict, says Raphael. She's fading away, says Donatello. I don't know. It's like good and bad news, says Leonardo. Um, what's that? We see a disturbed look on Raphael, and that is the end of issue number six of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Adventures. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Adventures number seven. Plotted by Dean Clarane and Ryan Brown. Written by Dean Clarane. Penciled by Jim Lawson. Inked and lettered by Gary Field. We start off this issue with a little bit of a recap. 
So we start off and we see a little bit of the turtles looking at the ray at the aquarium. We see Bebop and Rocksteady after the shredder had been thwarted by Ray Flay, um, a.k.a. Manta Guy, as they call him in here. And we see just a little bit of uh, what had happened to the last episode with Leatherhead, where they're fighting him and then he uh, dissolves the bridge and then falls down. And then the last thing that we see is... Mary Bones, who's lifting up the transanimator, and tells them something about their destiny with the with the uh, the final conflict. Then, they disappear. All of a sudden, a giant cow. It's a white cow with brown spots, and it's just the head. Spits out the four turtles into uh, a room that has two characters that are trees. One is a tree with no leaves. The other one is kind of a small green shrub that has money for leaves. And it spits it out, and it says. Stump Comics presents Eastman and Laird's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Intergalactic Wrestling. So we pick up and they're kind of dogpiled. And then we have Raphael saying, yeah, you might even call me angry. And then Michelangelo goes over to Cuddly and says, what's that? And Stump says, that's Cuddly. And then Sling, his little cohort with a little mustache, says, he's a trans-dimensional cowlick. Who are you guys and where on earth are we? I'm Stump and this is my financial partner Sling. Money, money, money! Boys, you're no longer on Earth. This is Stump Asteroid, the home of Stump Arena, broadcasting center of intergalactic wrestling. And you are lucky Earthlings. You've been chosen to represent your quadrant to the Milky Way galaxy in tonight's bout. Oh, is that right? We don't think so, chump. That's Stump. Stump, and in case you haven't noticed, you're weaponless. Don't worry, your weapons are safe, although they might be a little slimy, aren't they, cuddly? <laughs> says the cowlick. And besides, you're light years from home, and only cuddly can really return you home, so let's say we take talk deal. Meanwhile, back on Earth, Krang speaks to the shredder. What, Saki, you fool? Krang, it wasn't my fault. It was almost as if Leather had set himself up to fall. The way he lashed out and destroyed the bridge from under himself, there was nothing any of us could do, least of all those meddlesome turtles. My only link to the turnstone gone. I'm hanging up. And Saki, don't call me. I'll call you, fool. But Krang, it wasn't my... With that, Krang hangs up. Back at the stump asteroid. So all you have to do is tag team wrestle, and then we'll see about sending you home. What do you say, boys? 64,000, says Sling. Looks like we don't have much of a choice, guys. Great, just great, boys. I'd like to introduce you to your opponent. The turtles look on with disgust. They're not too happy about this deal. And then they see... The four-armed scourge of the Bohekian galaxy, Crying Hound. My name, my name is Crying Hound. He looks like a Looney Tune character. He has a long jaw, almost like a bulldog will, with uh, two snaggle teeth sticking up from the bottom. He's got a mask around his eyes, like a uh, like a Hamburglar or a Beagle Boy. He has four arms, each gloved with a pink glove, dog tags, and a pink unitard on. A little tuft of uh, orange hair and a uh, red nose. And looks like two antennae up top rather than ears. He is imposing. He is probably about one and a half sizes uh, bigger than the turtles. So this guy is going to take on all four of the turtles. Back to Stump. Whoever wins, turtles or hound, will then face the winner of the bout between the current intergalactic wrestling champ. 
the really terrific Ace Duck. The first appearance of Ace Duck. I'm so fine, I'm the finest fowl on planet Perdiffus. An Ace's challenger shall be the bayou-busting, rip-snorting reptile, Leatherhead. What? Leatherhead. How? The bridge, the fall. Saved him from the jaws of sad death by the jaws of bad breath. Urp, says Cuddly. Caught mid-fall, transported here by Cuddly. Okay, everyone's introduced, so the matches run simultaneously and begin in five Earth minutes. You boys had better go get ready and find your costumes over there. Uh, costumes? Stump Arena presents the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. An absolute bevy of aliens are behind them here, and you can see there's all different kinds from many different parts of the galaxy. They look on as the turtles appear for the first time in their new costumes. Now, we have uh, Michelangelo, who looks like a traditional wrestler in somewhat of an orange Lucha Libre mask. He has orange wraps on his ankles and on his wrists as well with his orange belt. We have Leonardo with a, a blade samurai mask and it looks like he has blades on his knees his elbows and his shoulders and sort of a um, X harness um, that has a yin-yang on it on the front it's kind of a cool look for him Donatello is wearing a yellow tunic with a red belt around his waist his armbands are all yellow his knee pads are yellow and he's wearing a bandana that has yellow that is red with yellow stripes on it and uh, last and very least is Raphael who is wearing a black outfit. It's completely skin-tight and form-fitting, so it just makes him look like he is completely black like a shadow. So the, the way that they do it in here is kind of nice because they um, they highlight everything with blue. So it's uh, kind of an interesting look for him. And uh, we'll, we'll see him actually keep this for a while after this, so it's kind of fun. So beginning the bouts, we have the four of them in the ring with Crying Hound, and he's just kind of talking about how his name is Crying Hound, and he doesn't seem very smart. And then on the other side, we have Ace Duck, who's kind of doing a little flex move, you know, in his uh, in his little red Speedo against Leatherhead, who's there in uh, purple boxing shorts with uh, some, some very tall Chuck Taylor sort of uh, sneakers, and uh, he's got a little mask on. My finely feathered physique will finish you off quickly, Leatherhead. Yours is a very dumb name. Better a Leatherhead than a Featherhead. Great! Full house! Pumped-up contestants! Great! There's the bell! Let the matches begin! Says Stump. As we look on, there's two rings side-by-side side where the, the opponents are uh, facing off. Ding-ding! Very Flintstone-style. A uh, little pterodactyl hits hits the bell. Leonardo has some has some ideas uh, planned on how to win. Surround him, brothers! Listen up! My name is Crying Hound! Then back in the other ring, sully myself by touching you? It is too grotesque to imagine. Rrr, as Leatherhead charges. Whoop, says Cuddly. He's not looking too good right now. He looks like he might be sick, as Ace Duck easily jumps over the tail attack from Leatherhead. It is to move effortlessly. Leatherhead looks a little bit um, upset on the bottom, as he sees Ace kind of fly over him with his wings. Don, take his right arms. Raph, go for the left. Mike, hit him low and from behind, on my command. The turtles are trying to strategize, except for one thing. Crying Hound is a lot bigger than them, and he seems to just kind of manhandle them. He ends up picking up the turtles, and he's spinning them around on one finger each, with only uh, three of his arms. The fourth one is, is loose. So Leonardo is left as the odd man out while he handles all three of the turtles. Now, Ace... Ace has jumped over Leatherhead, and Leatherhead has fallen down, so Ace thinks that Leatherhead is down and out. 
It is to laugh. Later, Gator, it is to feel the adoration of the masses. As he as he kind of preens and just shows himself off for the crowd, Leatherhead recoups himself and gets into a fighting stance. He goes low. Quack, says Ace. It is to feel my fury. As he attacks his legs and then takes takes him out and goes for the takedown. Crying Hound stands on over the other three turtles and stacks them up as Leonardo hits from behind with a flying ninja kick. Just at the same time as Ace Duck is being swung around windmill style, just by, or helicopter style, by Leatherhead. They both meet in the outside of the ring with a big slam right in front of Stump and Sling. And with that, they've won their matches respectively. Leatherhead has beaten the champion Ace Duck and the Turtles... Rather, Leonardo, with a well-placed kick to the midsection that sent Crying Hound flying into Ace Duck, has uh, won theirs. Just then, we hear, Oop! Oop! From Cuddly Cowlick, who looks even worse than, than ever. And then finally, Oop! He burps out the turtle's weapons. Leonardo's swords, Raphael's size, Donatello's boat staff, and Michelangelo's nunchucks. They land slimy, with a big splat at the turtle's feet. Well, all right, says Raphael. Except for the spittle, says Michelangelo. Now the turtles are all weaponed up, and they, they say to Stump, Now let's make a deal. Yeah! On our terms. Uh-huh. We want to go home, and we want to go home now. Uh, you mean... We're broke, says Stump and Sling. You've got to order your cowlick to take us back to Earth. Uh, no problem, Cuddly. Come down here and collect these five Earthlings. Hold it says Leatherhead. I don't want to go to Earth. I want to stay. Back on Earth, I'm a freak. Here I can be a hero. Great, great. I've got big plans for you, Leatherhead. Boop, 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 boop. And with that, all the money starts growing back on Sling's head. I can see it now. Cuddly, do the turtles. Just sit back and relax, says Cuddly. We didn't even know he could talk. So long, boys. I don't like this. Relax, Raphael. At that moment, somewhere in Dimension X, The Turnstone! If I only had the Turnstone! In the Technodrome, If only I could... I'm beginning to obsess. I'll get my mind off the Turnstone by turning on tonight's intergalactic wrestling. Who defeat... He puts it on just in time to see, uh... Stump talking about what happened. Who defeated the previous Champ Ace Duck? We're sure to join these three standard time units for the next intergalactic wrestling on Stump Network. Blasted, I missed it. I can't do anything right today. Crying is upset that he missed his favorite show. Meanwhile, somewhere between time and space, rather inside a giant cow mouth, I wonder how the cowlick is able to traverse such distances. Who cares, as long as it works? <whistles> <laughs> Here we go again. Try landing on your feet this time, guys. Turtles look on. Oops, says Cuddly. What do you mean, oops? Hmm. Wrong time I've taken you too far. As the turtles look down, it's clear that some sort of uh, event has happened in New York. There's fires, there's smoke, and uh, more importantly, the streets are flooded as if Venice would have been. Perhaps global warming has happened. Cuddly's explanation is that he's taken him too far. He took him about a hundred years from their time into the future. He tells them that melting ice caps have raised ocean levels, result of an out-of-control greenhouse effect. But it doesn't have to be their future, it's only one of possible futures. I don't like this future! Take us home, dude! Sorry about the mix-up, Michelangelo! As he slurps them up, back into their mouth at go. Now we see the next time the turtles, Patooey! He spits them out. Wonderful! 
Bye, Cuddly. Else time, Turtles. It seems that they've gotten them back to the right time. <coughs> Lightning. Right in the middle of a storm, says Raphael. But at least the polar ice caps haven't melted and the turtles are back in their right time. We'll pick this up next time, the next time that we do some turtle adventures with the adventures of Wingnut and Screwloose. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Epic Tales from the Sewers. I have a special guest with me today, Mr. Brian Van Hooker from the Turtle Tracks podcast. How's it going, Brian? Good. How are you? Doing fantastic. Thanks for joining us on the show. You know, um, we talk all about turtle comics, and um, I, I know there's some other listeners out there that are um, interested in what you do. Um, you want to tell us a little bit about your show, Turtle Tracks? Yeah, I do a podcast called Turtle Tracks, which is uh, purely interview-based. Um, I've had on guys like uh, Rob Paulson, Kevin Eastman, Cam Clark, uh, Steve Barron. I've tried to kind of get somebody, people from every end of the Turtle universe, so movie directors, toy makers, um, you name it. If it's related to Turtles, I've tried to get them on. So that's kind of been my goal is to all-inclusive interviews from every aspect of the Turtles. Yeah, I saw you had the director from uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze, on your podcast. Yes, uh, uh, Pressman. Yeah, I had him on very recently, actually. I, I kind of, for the better part of a year, I tried to set that up, and he was just uh, super busy but super nice dude. Uh, so, yeah, I got him on, and we talked about uh, Secret of the Ooze and put to rest any of the uh, nagging rumors about so-called deleted scenes. So, Oh, really? Okay, so so no deleted scenes in there? So. No, not in one. There's always this rumor that there was a scene with Krang that uh, oh. the, professor, the, the professor guy from Turtles 2. There's this persistent rumor that at the end of the movie, he lifted up his shirt and there was a, an Utram or a Krang under there. And uh, nope, all, all BS. I'm so glad that that's not true because that, that seems like that would have been overkill when, when you already have like four to five big villains and two mutants and stuff. And it's just like, you know. Yeah, so I, I think that would be. Did he mention how easy or hard it was to work with Vanilla Ice? Uh, he was, um, he was, uh, uh, Pressman was very uh, professional. So he didn't get into detail about Vanilla Ice, but it did leave me wondering. So I, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, me too. Inquiring minds want to know, man. So yeah. that's that's great. Yeah, it's it's funny too, because that's that's one of those movies where it's like, you know, the, the first one is, is like this, this dark gritty masterpiece with like Henson and all that. And then you got the second one and I look back on it and I can watch it because I love it nostalgically. And, you know, I, I like, I like a lot of the stuff that's in it and it's like campy humorous and all that, but it's still, it's still a fun movie. Yeah. And I think they really captured the fun essence of the turtles in that. And, you know, I, I still like it, you know? Oh yeah. I, I still love that movie. Like I, I still, there's few things turtles that I actually, can't watch and uh no I, I think turtles 2 is very watchable but it's certainly like every every turtles movie even the ones that continue off each other seem to take place in its own universe with its own set of rules and how serious or weird it is so every that one certainly got a lot sillier from the first one yeah and it was um right before they started getting so teethy where, where pretty much all you see is their teeth all the time when they talk and it's like all right well you know. yeah yeah, Turtles like 3 that. is a lot rougher for the puppeteering. I like Turtles 3, too, but the, the puppeteering is not Henson, and you can tell in the third one. I, I can absolutely agree with that. I, I like Turtles 3, but it is not a great movie. No, no. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, there's some there's some issues here, but it's really fun to watch. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, 
and uh, man, that's that's some cool stuff. So you've got to meet some cool people, and you probably have some some fun stories about all that. So that's awesome. Yeah, I've just been super persistent. I mean, I I write for a magazine, um, a magazine named Mel. That's my um my my job, and I interview people for a living. And I just kind of had this goal of I want to interview more people that I was super super interested in. So I kind of created a podcast as an excuse to uh reach out to people like like uh pat fraley who was in our first episode um the voice of crying and people like that who i could just find an excuse to talk turtles for a half hour to an hour or whatever he is a compelling figure i i had no idea and just um i i recently listened to um to a podcast with, with him on it and you know he just talks and he talks about like acting and he talks about things like his faith and all that. And I'm like, wow, this is really a grounded sort of character. And, and he's just super interesting to listen to. Yeah, he's just a super nice dude, too. He was he was I don't think he was the first person I interviewed, but the first person I, I ran. So it was among the first three or four people I interviewed. And he was just super nice, super nice guy. So has anyone starstruck you? Um, I mean, I've talked to Kevin Eastman like three or four times and each time I've kind of like, uh, like I've met him in a couple conventions and every time I get a little bit starstruck and a little like weirdly giddy, uh, Rob Paulson has that effect too. Um, I don't know. I, I try not to, or I try to hide it really well. Um, Steve, you don't have to tell us who it's okay. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's yeah. A little bit. I mean, I try not to let it affect me too much, but a little bit for sure. Yeah, we just we just had um, we just had a couple really cool guests. We had uh, Townsend Coleman on, and um, one of the nicest guys. And we just oh, got yeah. to talk about things that I like to talk about that were outside of turtles. Like we, we talked about uh, the Teen Wolf cartoon, and nobody ever talks to him about the Teen Wolf cartoon. So so he we were talking offline and all that. And he's like, I'm so glad you asked about that. No one ever talks about that, and you know it was it was so interesting. He's great. He's he's super nice too. That and the tick. He's the voice of the tick. So. Oh man, I I um I tell a story on how I didn't realize that when we went to go meet him, and um I'm like, why has everybody got all this tick stuff? And, then, and then I'm like, oh my goodness, it's it's him. And I was like, ah. Oh. And I started talking to him about it, and um, turns out he was starstruck because Mickey Dolan's was doing the voice of was doing the voice of Arthur originally. And he was this huge monkeys fan. So, <laughs> it's so funny because it's like, we have similar experiences and it's like, we're in these different walks of life. And here it is. The guy that's doing the voice of the main character who's starstruck by his sidekick. And I'm like, Oh man, it's, it's funny. It's like one of those, we are all the same sort of moments. Oh yeah, neat. for sure. But um, so getting back to turtles here, we're, we're going through a couple issues. So um, as, as the folks who are listening, they will have heard that we went through issue five, which is uh, the issue with Man Ray, who um, eventually will become Ray Filet um, in the comics. And then we meet with uh, Jess Harley, who becomes Leatherhead. And uh, then we get into the interdimensional wrestling. So um now, did you read these as a kid? Because I, I remember getting these, and I must have been like seven, eight years old when I was uh, reading through these books. Yes, I read this as a kid. Adventures is a series I didn't get to read all the way through until pretty recently. Um, but yes, these issues in particular, I did have, uh, I do have tattered old issues of since I was a kid. So yeah, I, I these ones in particular I've read as as opposed to all of Adventures, which I hadn't up until 
uh, a couple months ago. Now, the, the cool thing about issue five is I think that's that's pretty much like the first issue where it starts to diverge from the cartoon. So yeah. it starts to become its own thing. And I, I remember this was this was one of my favorite things because it's like, oh, wait a minute. I've got the cartoon. I can watch those episodes on Saturday morning. And you know, we got the video game. We can do that. And now I've got this universe. And as it's, it's about to kind of really go into the areas of like space and and aliens and dimension X and all that. And it's starting to get like really cool at this point. So I, I was just enthralled with this. Like when, when people talk about like, Oh, what's your, what's your ideal universe or what really got you into turtles? For me, it was these Archie comics. Oh, really? Oh, cool. Yeah. I, and you know, it's funny. I don't meet a lot of people like myself. A lot of people are like, Oh, I like the, tur- I like the cartoon show. I like the movie. I like the action figures. I'm like, yeah, I love all that too. But this is where, you know, I kind of sunk in and I'm like, well, this is great. We got Wingnut and screw loose and we've got a really cool version of slash and we've got, you know, Krang and dimension X and all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, April's dating a dragon. Like this is really neat. So, <laughs> you, know, you know, there's stuff in, in adventures that is like, not just super unique to it, but like way more mature than really like issue five that we're going to talk about. Like it, it kind of finds its voice really quickly where it's its own adventures. It has these big overarching stories and the environmental aspect of it is like right away. Part of the main narrative, like, like uh, uh, Ray Filet is basically an eco-terrorist in this first issue. And, and that's the funny thing about it too, because yeah. it's like, I remember, you know, at the time there was like this huge push for recycling and all that. And it's, and it's like, all right, what can we do to kind of make these characters that kids can identify with? And Ray was like, he was already on his way there. You know, he was working at the aquarium and he's this guy. It just happens to bump into the turtles and tell them all about manta rays. And, you know, then he's like, all right got to go to work now and he's out doing his uh investigation he's going to try to uh, do some expose about this illegal dumping and such and he gets caught up in some ooze you know it's it's just it could happen right it's it's a <laughs> it's a pretty decent it's a pretty decent way of getting someone who has a motive and his motive is save the ocean yeah. you know into being a character like they wrote it really well like the last animal that he touched was the manta ray perfect you know, it's like you don't even question it. Yeah, it was a unique origin story, whereas I feel like so oftentimes it's like Shredder threw X character into a vat of ooze and then out arose. <laughs> well, that's like that's like the um, the extra ones in the cartoon series where you look and it's like, okay, there's Bebop and Rocksteady and then there's the Bat Guy that later gets like, they, they use the retro mutagen gun on him and it's like, well, what was that guy's story? Yeah, you know, it's like. <laughs> what happened to him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you just, you just kind of, it, it wasn't a thing. Don't worry about it. It's, yeah. oh, okay. You know, so <laughs> I guess he was just like, had to move the plot along. Yeah. But, but um, the, the, this starts getting into the point where it's like, all right, we're looking to sell toys. And, um, you know, you've got like the Shredder sub on here. And, and uh, this is the first time uh, Bebop and Rocksteady show up after being uh, banished to Dimension X. This is the first time these guys are here. And they're actually there with Shredder in this little submarine. And um, I don't know that they ever released this uh, as like a as a peripheral or anything like that for the Turtles. But I know the Turtles had a sub, but I don't think uh, Shredder did. Wait, let me check. I'm sorry. I have the book in front of me here and I will I have like a catalog of the Turtle toy. No, this was not a toy. No. But it, is I always awesome. wanted it would this... make a great toy. 
I always wanted the shredder with like the underwater sled and all that. I'm like, he's pretty cool looking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was fun. And, and um, I mean, the, the character that we got out of here, like he, he gets kind of sucker punched by, by the shredder. And, you know, I always thought it was kind of cool because underwater he's totally beaten shredder, but you know, you get back on, on even, on even turf and it's like, no shredder's going to take you out. Just like two is- two issues ago, he took out all four of the turtles uh, when he was trying to get the uh, the crystal tracker, and and he's like, "I beat you in clean combat," and you forget sometimes because he is so goofy that he is such a capable warrior, and uh, I like that they remind you of this every once in a while. Yeah, I feel like Adventures did a better job of that than the cartoon did, where he actually was a for he like he was in the car- the the comic book less, but he was actually a force to be reckoned with when he actually was in it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I mean, um, I guess I guess I'd use the term nerf. You know, they kind of nerf him, but yeah. um, you know, maybe maybe it's just one of those things where the best stories to tell are not the stories where they just fight the shredder all the time. So, oh yeah, for sure. I suppose, but that's that's pretty much it for that first issue because it's or, or issue number five because it's pretty much just the origin of Man Ray, aka Ray Fillet. It goes into how he saves the turtles, how he meets them, and it sets up for down down the road where he's going to come back as a member of the Mighty Mutant Animals. Let me ask you, what did you call him when you were a kid? Because I only found out about Man Ray later. I was always called, I think because I had the toys. Absolutely Ray Fillet. Yeah, There's same. no way I was not calling him Ray Fillet. Yeah. Um, I, I, the first time I saw him and Mondo Gecko and everybody else on the back of a turtle box, I was like, all right, I'm committing these to memory. It was like, it was like when I was reading my X-Men card set and I'm like, okay, I'm going to learn everything about Maverick because he's in the card set and he's going to be awesome. And then, then it's like, all right, he was in two issues. Yeah. It's like, they, they really tried and they're like, Oh, Jim Lee Jerome and everything. So it's like, yeah. yeah. So as, as soon as I saw Ray Filet and Mondo Gecko and, and all of them, and then when I saw Mighty Mutanimals, I'm like, okay, this is my thing, whatever this is. So, Oh yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like these guys and um, I was even excited. They have on this uh, mobile game right now. You can play, um, you can play as Ray as well. That game is so, great. Are you talking about, um, Oh boy. Is that uh, legends? No, not legends. I have that. Too, but no, that I think that's, so. is that the one? Yeah. TMNT. Um, what is it? I think it's mutant it's mania. Like, uh, mutant madness is mutant what it's madness, called. something like that. Yeah. So, mutant. so that's that's awesome. That one's I mean, good. It's, you can play as Ray. You can play as Slash. You can play as uh, Mondo Gecko, Mona Lisa, Lotus Blossom, which was a super deep cut. Yeah. Um, precursor to Karai. Um, you can play as Karai. You can play as as all of these characters. I'm like, this is great. I'm I'm just waiting, you know, for them to get Jaguar and Dreadman and the rest of the uh, Mighty Mutantals. Yeah, it, it is heavily stylized after the old cartoon, which is kind of cool. It, it, that's a great game. Mm. Absolutely. I, I was hoping it's like, hey, just throw a little Bucky O'Hare in there. Why not? So, <laughs> <laughs> I doubt that'll happen, but, you know. But then we've got, um, so the next issue, issue number six, first appearance of Leatherhead. Huge yeah. character in, in, in Turtles. Um, I, I wasn't super familiar with Leatherhead from anything other than the cartoon and, and th- like this comic. Like, obviously we had, he got bigger at, in like the 2012 cartoon. Yeah. Like, I, I felt like he had like a huge presence and he was, but, you know, he was never like this huge character. He was just kind of like, oh yeah, Leatherhead's here to help, you know? And I think he's awesome. It's just, it seems like he was never really utilized a lot. 
He was also pretty big in the 2003 show. I don't know if you were big into that one at all, but he was big in the, he was big in that show. I don't remember him as much from those episodes. Um, I I know like he usually shows up as a as a villain in the video games with yes. like a pretty easy um like he's got a pretty easy uh, pattern to figure out. But you know um I've seen the design. The design's pretty crazy. I'm actually looking for that figure now. But um but yeah I I don't remember him as much from the tw- uh, 2003 series. Yeah, he was in there. But it was more his um the Mirage Comics version because he first first appeared in mirage comics as a good guy but like kind of his own thing going on um so the 2003 series is heavily based on the mirage comics so he's in there quite a bit uh and of course the old cartoon tended to turn you know their other mutants into bad guys so he was a bad guy i mean like that's sort of the version i knew the best though was the cajun character from the original cartoon I just remember that that uh, wonderful voice of Jim Cummings coming through as uh, as Leatherhead, and I'm like, that's fantastic. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and and of course, uh, you know the the action figure where you know having him that was a cool one that they had. You could um, if if you dropped him, his head uh, would his jaw would fall apart. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that happened. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I liked him. He came with some cool stuff like a bear trap and a uh, like a shotgun and and like a belt of like all kinds of stuff with like shrimp on it. It was a fun figure. I don't know if you collect the the NECA toys, but they've some cool new Leatherhead figures that are out there. Yeah, I've I've, I've seen the um, the video game one. Uh, I ended up picking up the Slash two pack with Leatherhead, so I, I have that one in, on the shelf. Um, it's just really cool looking. Oh yeah, I like um, I like how they have him, and he, and he's like a different sort of color, and he doesn't look like like kind of flattened like the the old one did. You know, it's like no, he's he's a big character, and and that's what he is. He's like the second powerhouse character besides Ray on the Mighty Mutanimals. So I'm like, good, they gave him that sort of treatment. Oh yeah, for sure. Now this is interesting too because he's not he's not a traditional mutant. You know, as we see here, he's he's going through, and he um, he's a guy in Louisiana on the bayou, and he ends up stealing this thing called a turnstone from uh, Mary Bones. Then he goes off to New York, and that's that's how he ends up getting kind of caught up with everybody. Um, she's she's a magical creature who we're going to find out down the road is an interdimensional being. Oh right, and right. Um, yep. And Krang actually knows who she is. So it's it's one of those things where she turns him into a an alligator mutant. So it has nothing to do with mutagen or anything else like that. There's there's no tie to the Utram or the Krang or anything like that. And this is such a different origin for him from from the other versions. It's just like it's it's magic. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, I liked. I don't know. I, I it was never my favorite way for him to come about. I don't hate it or anything. I just it was never my. It was always like. Mary, but I don't know what it is. It was the magic of Mary Bones? I forgot she turns into a space alien later. I don't know. It was never my yeah. She does. Yep. <laughs> so, so the interesting thing about this too is that you know he's here and and he's trying to find a way back, and he's got kind of different character motivations. He seems like a good guy that made a bad decision, and now he's got to kind of pay for it, as opposed to like how they had him painted in the cartoon, where it's like, no, he's this guy who's going to be like a trapper, and he's going to come and get the turtles, and he's going to be like this ruthless, bloodthirsty guy. He doesn't come across that way in the comics at all. Oh, no, I think he's, I think he's actually more of an interesting character in the, in the comic book. I just think his origin stories weird to me but i i think that the leatherhead in the mutanimals and all that 
this great. I don't know if you've ever read this, but there's this great uh, mini series called Donatello and Leatherhead. It's this. Oh, I series. have. I love that series, and it's just him and Donatello, and this great artwork by a guy named I think that's Garrett Ho, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it is. Yep. Yeah, and that's I love that comic. But I mean, like, I think in, that actually might be my favorite version of Leatherhead, just because I, I don't know. I, I like the kind of Cajun part of him. I I actually prefer this the mutanimal story more, more so than anything else. I just think, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of me late me. Uh, what's her name? Mary bones, but I do love where this leatherhead goes, especially, you know, since he's part of the mutanimals, which is some of the best. We're, we're actually going to be covering that, those issues too. Maybe I should bring you back for those. I do. Love I have, those. Uh, I, I, cherish I, I picked up all three yeah. and you know, it's, it's like, you've got your journey to the center of the earth sort of vibe on it. And it's, I had to read it and I'm like, what is going on? You know, it's it's such an interesting read, and um, the art is phenomenal. It's it's probably some of the best, I think, uh, versions of of a lot of those characters that we've seen. Those issues I think I have are like like falling apart because first of all, there's not going to be a collected book of those three. And no, like, no, absolutely not. Yeah, and yeah. like the the versions I have, I've just read over and over again because I'm a Donatello guy, and I just love those stories. So, but I'm oh, that's right, I forgot that. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's, that's the thing too. Um, that was one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast because no one's going to pick up, you know, um, the, uh, the, the Leatherhead series, the Donatello and Leatherhead series like that in, in, in something, uh, unless they go out and buy it or the April O'Neil mini series or, or anything like that, or there's no collection out there. I think that has like everything in it of all this stuff. So I wanted to try to find a way to kind of honor that. And I'm like, I have this stuff. So, you know, I, we could talk about the conservation corpse, you know, or like the um, there's there's all these different sort of annual books that came out like spring, winter special, fall special, oh, yeah. summer special, like all of those. And it's like that's not like you're not going to find that out there, too. So and, and most people are consuming this right now by, you know, picking it up either digitally or they're getting like a uh, like a big like a book or a compilation of it. So and the color of the books, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that they found some way to bring them back, but they're not complete they're missing issues there um there's no annuals no other specials mutanimals are kind of like a few of the mutanimals issues are misordered in there so they're not yeah it's nice that they're here but there's a lot missing it's it's one of those things like if i could wish anything in all of comic book history it would be like that they could they could honor the mutanimals because they were such a huge part of my childhood and it was the coolest thing ever you know, and um, and I would love to see somebody pick up that story from where it ended so tragically, you know, and just find a way to rewrite those guys back into continuity, like in in like an Archie sense, just to give them some closure. Yeah, I mean, I, I know we're skipping way ahead, but is it okay if we talk a little bit about? Yeah, yeah, so absolutely. They die in the most lackluster, underwhelming, stupid way. And they're just like they're just dead. Like I, I, when I, I, I knew that they died, right? But I only read them recently. I, like I told you, I had to interview Chris Allen, who was the guy who was the artist, um, the regular artist for the latter half of Adventures. So I wanted to read everything Adventures I hadn't read when I was a kid, and I knew Mutanimals died. So I was like, oh, this is gonna be a big deal. I know this is the issue where they die, and I read it, and they're just, they're just already dead, and I couldn't understand like why was this such a, why would they do this, such a poor send off for such great characters i couldn't understand it and it's it's one of those things where you you see no laughing 
you know, and a picture of all of them literally burning in hell. It's like, yeah. what the heck is going on? I'm like, let's fix this crap. Come on, guys. You know, yeah. like, it, I and not like I hate it. Like, yeah. I want to find them redemption. You know, I, I want to save these guys. Like, if I had a genie with three wishes, one of the wishes is going to be, I wish the Mighty Mutanimals would, you know, come back from there. Like, like that's how legitimately I, I would want this to happen. I, I, I agree with you because it, it does have a lousy send off and it, I think it has some of the best versions of some of their characters. Like not only does it have characters that um, you don't get anywhere else, like Jaguar, Dreadmon and a couple of others, but like that's easily the best slash. Like I've watched every version of the turtles ever. Yes. And that is my favorite version of slash bar none. I, I fully agree. Um, he's cool looking. He's, he's like beefy. He's the same size pretty much. I think as as like Rocksteady and bebop. He's like maybe a little bit smaller, Yeah, but he doesn't, he doesn't look like like a gross sort of amalgamation of like a half turtle and he's not the hulk like they have him in the IDW series which is cool but it's not what i was looking for kind of you know? yeah yeah so yeah i am totally with you and and he's and he's such a cool character you know um and then it's like fun stuff happens like oh krang jumps on his head and takes control of his body you know it's like they've never done that before it's it's really interesting to see like where this series goes with stuff. It it reminds me of um reminds me of like the Chris Claremont era of X Men, like towards the end where it's just like, let's just see what happens if we do this. It's kind of crazy. So <laughs> Yeah. Let's see. So so um going back to talking about Leatherhead. Sorry, so, yeah, way off track. <laughs> well, I mean that's that's what we're here for, man. You know, we're we're talking about this because it's it's interesting. But um Leatherhead ends up running across uh, the Shredder, Bebop, and Rocksteady, and they convince him that they know Mary Bones. Shredder was really shrewd here, and he just kind of picks up on what's going on, and he convinces him that they know Mary Bones, and Mary Bones works with the evil turtles, and you'll have to destroy the turtles uh, to get to Mary Bones. So he sends he sends uh, Leatherhead with Rocksteady and Bebop off to uh, go and try to destroy the turtles. And um, interesting enough, we see a pa- uh, panel where uh, Krang is watching intergalactic wrestling, and we see uh, the first appearance of Ace Duck. Yep. So leading up um, to the next issue. Yep, leads up leads up there. Then another sort of uh, toy appearance where we've got some footskies there. Uh, or not footskies; these are uh, cheapskates. Yep. So cheapskates where the turtles are, and I, I don't know that we've ever seen them in the cartoon. Like we've seen them on, or maybe in in some of the latter seasons and all that but they are the first time they, they, they appear a little bit here and there for sure they don't look quite I like, thought it was... more like the toy than the cartoon version then. but they are in there. yeah the and um and then that's the thing it's like it's it's cool when you can see that stuff it's like oh i have the blimp i can recreate this and you know, i remember as a kid it's like i only had the one but i'm like man i need to get four foot uh, of these now um yes you know for for that <laughs> it's like and and, and um it's kind of cool too because in the video game they always had either a skateboard level or they had the surfing level, mm-hmm. so it, it was very much a thing that the turtles would be doing. Oh yeah, for sure. And a very kind of '90s thing too. I mean, we were all obsessed with skateboards at the time. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know. Are skateboards still a thing? I think they are. I think yeah. I think they're a thing. I think. I mean, I never rode a skateboard, but I think they're a thing now. I know. There's, yeah, I, don't know. I think they are a thing because I think. Um, Oh man, there's a company that makes skateboards. They did a bunch of really cool Ninja Turtles skateboards recently, which is the only reason why I would know about it. They did like this a bunch of awesome artwork for for Ninja Turtle skateboards, but I can't remember the name. I of it. I just saw um 
uh, a friend of the show, Ben Bishop, right? Uh, the artist, he has on his website, bishart.com. Mm-hmm. He sells uh, skateboard decks, yeah. and th- it's all Ninja Turtle setup. So Bishop's he, a great guy. He's such he's such a yeah. great. I've had him on too, and met him a few times. He's such a great guy. Yeah, he's he's really cool, and um, he says that that uh, he will happily uh, get on to talk about uh, some some Ronin after he's finished. And he was starting the last issue, um, the last page of the second issue today. So we are not bothering him, and we're letting him finish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, important stuff he's working on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, we're we're just like leave him alone. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. So I, I guess skateboards must still be a thing. I don't. I don't know. I just remember it was huge in, the, in like the late eighties, early nineties. Sorry, Santa Cruz skateboards and a bunch of really awesome that, yeah. skateboards recently, and they're they're pretty really? awesome. Yeah, you should look them up. They have like a bunch of stuff in the old movies. They even had one that was just like a shot of the old toys, like a whole bunch of toys. It was cool stuff. I couldn't. I wouldn't get on one because I'd probably die instantly. But um, would they, you hang it on the wall? You think? I mean, yeah. I think if I think if I. I mean, I don't have room on my wall for a skateboard, and if I did, I probably would. Yeah, get the original, I just think of that. <laughs> I probably would get the original um, one for, I remember from a, as being a kid. But they're cool; they're very cool skateboards they have. So, yeah, I, mean, I wonder if they do a leatherhead. That'd be pretty neat. Or, or no, Mondo Gecko would be the obvious one. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, he's coming up in a couple issues, I think. I think he hits in like uh, issue number twelve or fifteen, something like that. But that'll um, he's great. getting us ever. Oh, he's so good. Yeah, you know, and and I mean, what what a, a cool character! Like such a '90s character. He's extreme in like everything, and and I, the thing I like about him too is that he's not a fighter. You know, he's just he's just there, and you know, he's he's there to kind of help everybody move along. And, you know, he hangs out with Michelangelo and, and they're grooving to some uh, metal music, but you know, he's not going to, he's not going to wow you with like his fighting skills. No. So yeah. I, and I, I that thought that made him interesting. Show. He was just terrible at fighting all the time. I yeah, he was. <laughs> and how, how awesome is that to have Robbie risk come back to do the voice? Oh for man. Mondo Gekko. Great. That episode of that show is one of my favorite episodes of the whole series. I just love Mondo's introduction to that show is just so great. And like the fact that he like I was never a huge fan of Buyakasha as opposed to Kawabunga, but to have mm-hmm. him bring it in, I was like, okay, I'm 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 okay with it now. So Yeah, I'm I'm not even sure where it kind of came from. I, I'm like, you know, it's it's kind of riding on like that Teen Titans sort of thing with the Booyah and I, I'm like, I don't know. It it wasn't like it didn't it didn't reach me like Kawabunga re- reached me at that point same but yeah just you know i get where cowabunga came from because they were quote-unquote sewer surfing and stuff and you know it's like oh it makes sense and and uh you know from from what i was i was um gleaming from our conversation with townsend is he set up michelangelo to be like a beach boys fan and and like a fan of like 1960s surfer culture and all that so that was like his motivation so i'm like oh that makes total sense Oh, for sure, definitely. But yeah, so let's see. that that was a, a long segue about um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, skateboards? So <laughs> <laughs> yes, cheap. Yeah, the cheap skates. I forgot how we got there. This is cheap skates. <laughs> let's see. Uh, and you know the, the other thing that kind of surprised me in this one, um, Bebop and Rocksteady really get their butts handed to them by the turtles. Like, like just like even one on one. In the, in the first issue here, Donatello knocks both of them into the side of the uh, 
of the submarine and then you know uh, rocksteady ends up puncturing the submarine but you know it's like one-on-one these turtles should not be able to take these guys and they're just beating the crap out of them yeah i mean that was in the car- the cartoon too where they just like the rocksteady and bebop were forced to be reckoned with for maybe one or two episodes and then after that they were easily thwarted by the turtles every time so. yeah and uh, it's it's funny because they examine that again when you go back to the um the 2012 cartoon and then they're like oh wow these guys are like really tough you know with with the 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 new versions and they're just like beating them up like senselessly and they actually take the cartoon shredder and they beat him in that one too so like oh okay good you you could work for me because you you passed my test yeah you know you beat me (laughs) so it's kind of interesting yeah but um leatherhead seems to be giving them a little bit of trouble here and then um shredder shows up and they end up um and uh, Leatherhead gets upset. Um, he doesn't want to be evil, and he's upset at Shredder. Shredder's a liar, so he's showing some some, uh, some good tendencies here, and he uh, whacks his tail really hard and ends up taking out the bridge. And with that, he, uh, he falls off of this high overpass, and Shredder's over it. Bebop and Rocksteady are going to take off with him, and the Turtles are upset, and they look off, and they see uh, Mary Bones. And uh, she is going to kind of uh, set them up for their next adventure here. I did want to say, um, especially in issue six, which is what we're talking about now, uh, Ken Mitroni's art is, uh, he's the artist in that one. And I have always loved his version of the turtles. Like there's like these slightly sillier looking turtles um, that were in some of the episodes of adventures. And I just love his artwork, Ken Mitroni. It's really good, and I think this is one of the most iconic looks. I, I remember drawing these pages over and over as a kid, and a lot of that was his artwork that oh, yeah. I was that I was drawing. So it's it's really really um, like ingrained in me, and and he he did a lot of cool things. I, I think with like the detail aspect of it that I really liked, like uh, especially with like the turtles, like with their their nose and all that. Like he he put like really good spin on, on that. And um, I think that some of the guys that follow kind of uh, they're going to play off of what he does. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, I think I think he actually did the cover for the next one for number seven, which is this was like one of my favorite covers as a kid. Um, so you've got a uh, crying hound who is this this um, he looks like a Looney Tunes character. That's a bulldog alien with four arms. And he is in a wrestling ring with the turtles and the turtles all have different costumes on and he is just manhandling them. So it's uh, it gets pretty interesting from this point on. I also had a huge connection to this cover. I love I think I also had it's I think so my good came with an audio tape of this issue, actually. The fact that that even exists blows my mind. Yeah. So that sounds amazing. That really sounds amazing. I don't, it's actually, one of the few things I don't still have because I've gotten rid of almost nothing. Uh, but there was an I, they sold a version of this comic with an audio tape because I clearly remember hearing "Crying Hound" in my head as a kid. See, that's that's what I would have loved to hear. My name is. It's like, wh- what does he sound like? <laughs> I uh, I would figure I, I, I or something because I lack any sort of ability to do those things. But it was I. I Maybe it's on YouTube or something, but there was a tape of it, and I had it's very much burned into my childhood of crying hound yelling his name over and over again. I, I'm going to see if I can find a clip of that to add to this episode. So, so hopefully, if you're if you're listening to this, you'll you'll be hearing a, a piece of the too. Well, that's that's awesome. 
so so this one um art style is a little bit different it it changed um it changed in in art so um it looks like we were still uh plotted by dean claren uh, clarane and ryan brown written by dean clarane and uh, this one is penciled by a uh, very famous ninja turtles artist jim lawson mm-hmm all right, so the first thing that we notice here is that uh, there's a giant cow head, and it actually spits the four turtles out um, in front of two characters that uh, are going to actually show up in the, uh, I'd say, the, the latter half of the um, IDW series. Uh, one is a giant tree, and the other one is kind of like a small uh, shrub with, like, money on his head, um, and they are Stump and Sling, and they are the purveyors of the Galactic Wrestling Federation, and uh, they're the giant cow head is cuddly cowlick who is an interdimensional um interdimensional travel way uh sort of thing so it's it's pretty crazy so now it's kind of gone beyond where we are in the in the cartoons it's gone far beyond where we are you know turtles in time or or the other comics and all that so now they're getting into undiscovered territory and the turtles are in space and they're in an intergalactic wrestling uh place so this was totally gonzo yeah, Cuddly is, I would say, easily the most insane character in Turtle Floor. It's it's a detached cow head that picks you up in his mouth and takes you on long intergalactic journeys safely. Yeah, it is just a such a, I don't even know. Like, is this like a, like a, I don't know. It's it's odd. Like, I was just trying to think of something to compare it to, and I'm like, the only thing I could think of is like Fourth World or something like that with like Jack Kirby. Or it's just so off the wall. It's really crazy. I remember even I, I think I even spoke to I think even Chris Allen was like asking me to explain to him the character. Like it's just the weirdest character in any turtle war. He's just so insane. How have they never made a figure of that? Like a vehicle or something, just like nothing, you know. Um it was like the cowhead, like cow head. I, I I don't know. I wonder <laughs> yeah. what that would have sold as. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's, you, you think about it. It's like, okay, you got the, like the, the weird giant mosquito or anything yep. like that. And it's like, they don't even show up in anything, but it's like, yep. no, you could have made the giant cow head that you opens up and you can go and, you know, and, and actually they haven't made the intergalactic turtles or anything like that either. So the ones with the, the wrestling gear, that would have been really fun. That would have been, yeah. I would have loved, especially the black suit and raft, which ended up. Oh man. Yes. Several issues. Oh, the, yeah, I don't know like, if you know this. Cuddly, did you know Cuddly had a brief, brief, brief cameo in the 2012 cartoon? Yes, I remember seeing him there, and and I'm like, wait a minute, is that Cuddly? <laughs> yeah, he was just kind of in the background, right? When they're they're going through space, they they mentioned very briefly, like there's there's like all these giant space being gods or something when they're talking about Toka. The space god and yeah, the the giant uh, turtle and Raph ends up with um, with the the little one and that turns out it's it's the yeah yeah so, and the, there's a which I think that's what gave us pepperoni so <laughs> yes yes very much so and yeah when you see the picture of um of all the different space gods or whatever they're called one of them is a floating cowhead so he got a little bit of a respect oh I love that, that so. yeah I had forgotten that I'm so glad you said it so. But so so we have um, here um, Stump and Sling, and they're they're trying to tell the turtles that what they're going to do is uh, get them into uh, a wrestling match. And we see some of the combatants that they're going to have. So we've got the first appearance of Ace Duck, mm-hmm. 
right? So I don't, I don't know if Ace is like a, a, a favorite character or anything like that. I only remember him from this. I don't remember him from much else at all. No, I think he was in like one episode or something like that of the cartoon, but that's that's really the only place I remember seeing him is in the intergalactic wrestling. In the cartoon, he only appeared on the television maybe once or twice. Yeah, he was, he was, he was riding a he was boat or something. In the TV that they were watching of Ace Duck, they, they threw him on the TV screen at least once, maybe twice. And it looked like the toy version where he wore the pilot outfit. Yeah, and that makes more sense because Ace, you know, what is it? This is just um, this is kind of like a uh, a muscular looking duck who has wings on his back and he's wearing a red speedo. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Leatherhead's here too. We see that he got here a little bit earlier. He's wearing uh, looks like uh, boxing shorts and and like a mask, you know. And and um, the the real the real hero of this story is Crying Hound who, as I mentioned, looks kind of like a Looney Tune. He, um, he's he got like a pink outfit with uh, some pink gloves and he has four arms and he's kind of like a, a giant dog. So he is he is something to behold for sure. Yeah, it, 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 I just love seeing the turtles face off in these costumes. Do you know where these costumes came from, by the way? No, no, you got some insight on that? Yeah, so uh, Eastman and Laird at one point early on, maybe like, you know, three, four issues into the original Mirage comics, wanted to kind of switch up how all the characters look because they always look the same. So they drew up these costumes for the turtles and never actually switched them over. Uh, probably maybe because the cartoon had cemented how they looked. But um, yeah, this was originally a plan for the Mirage comics. They were going to look like this in Mirage and they never used the design. So when it came time for wrestling costumes, that's when they used it for this. That's great. So with, with the exception of the Mikey, because I'm not a fan of the Mikey mask, like the way that he has it here, the rest of them look amazing. Yeah. You know, like Leo's got these like blades on his, um, on everything. He's got kind of like this harness with like a yin yang and he's got like this bladed mask and all of his uh, knee pads and arm pads and stuff like that have blades on them. Don is wearing, um, he's got a bandana that is red with some yellow stripes on it on the sides that covers. So it, it, it covers the top of his head too. So it's not like his regular bandana. And he's got, I, I want to say like a tunic or a smock or something like that. That's yellow with like a red belt. I think it's it's kind of a sharp flag, I think, or some sort of similar. I think it's sort of meant to evoke that in some way, for some reason. Interesting. And, and that's interesting that they didn't go with white and red then yeah. yellow and red. Maybe, maybe it was just for, um, for maybe it was just for effect or maybe it's Chinese. I, I don't know. Cause those, those would be the colors of the Chinese flag. Oh, um, yes, forgive me. Yeah, maybe it is that. Although, uh, weirdly uh, enough, though, Michelangelo is the only one who remotely looks... I, I agree with you, I don't love it, but is the only one that looks remotely like a wrestling outfit. Oh, yeah. Like, like he's got it. He's got, like, a... I want to say what looks kind of like a Lucha Libre mask or something like that, but it doesn't really translate well to his face style. Yeah. But, you know, he, he looks really cool. And, um, and Raph is literally completely black. He's wearing a form-fitting suit that makes him look like a giant, like like the Black Panther or something like that. It's just like a complete shadow. It is amazing. So it's it's just so cool looking. And um, as you mentioned, he's going to take this and he's going to keep this suit for at least like another 12 or so issues, I think, until they start getting into like um, well past like alien invasion and all that. So it's it's going to be a big thing. So it's pretty cool. Oh yeah, like to me, the Archie comics, like a huge part of that is black suit wrap. That's a, it's one of those things I just identify with this book. 
Let's see. So, so they're um, they're getting into their match here. You know, uh, Leatherhead is fighting Ace Duck, and um, Crying Hound is literally just manhandling all the turtles, just kind of uh, beating them. And um, Leatherhead finally beats Ace pretty quickly, and it looks like you've got Leo going to take out uh, Crying Hound. Hits him the same time Leatherhead throws Ace, and the turtles are victorious. So, and um, with that, uh, Cuddly burps up their ninja weapons so now they're armed and they're going after stump and sling and uh they are absolute cowards complete it's the complete trope where it's like oh you know they're intergalactic guys they're worried about money and and uh, kind of like like mojo from the x-men like ratings and things like that oh yeah so um the turtles are like we went out of here um you know get us out of here and they're like oh okay and um, we'll have uh, Cuddly take you home, but uh, Leatherhead's like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go with you guys. I'm gonna stay here because back home I'm a freak. Here I could be a superstar and all that, and that's really what he, as as his character uh, Jess Harley, was really looking for was just to be some sort of big shot. And uh, he came from a very poor area, and he really didn't have much of an opportunity. So he actually likes being a lizard or a um, alligator person. Yeah, you're right. Uh, uh, Stump and um, Sling very much are just straight up Mojo ripoffs. <laughs> mojo as a tree. That's really all there. Yeah, I, th- I think so. it's funny because you know Stump has a hole in his stomach where he keeps uh, putting cash in, and and Sling has you know these branches on his head that are full of like dollar bills and stuff. And, and they're so tropey. It's so funny. Yeah, and and it even. It comes back when you when you read the IDW series too, where it's like you you start getting to like the trial of Krang and all that, and it's like you got these guys and they're just they're just slime balls and they're totally out there for like like what are they going to do to make a buck and and all that. It's pretty interesting. Oh, for sure, yeah. And we see that um, Krang actually tunes into uh, to wrestling. He was watching it previously, so. Let's see. Yeah, he he catches on just after the turtles have left, so he's not going to get to see them. And um, with that, the turtles are back. But um, Cuddly has taken them a little bit too far into the future, and we see what has happened. And uh, in New York, has been all completely flooded. Looks like um, the uh, the ice caps have melted, and you know, kind of like a post apocalyptic sort of future. This is a hundred years into the future. So that kind of escalates the stakes for them because they know if something doesn't happen, if they don't do something, that the world is going to kind of fall apart. So with that, they are back into Cuddly and they come out at the right time onto the roof. And in those costumes still, they actually stayed in these costumes. So as, as we see them, um, it kind of leads into what will be the next um the next issue, which is number eight, which will be the appearance of Wingnut and Screwloose. Oh, yeah, again, and four kind of huge issues in a row because you get to establish a lot of, like, great characters that, I don't know, I knew from the toys. Like, Leather, like, uh, Ray Filet and uh, uh, Wingnut and Screwloose, all those, like, those were toys to me more than anything else. So, it was and I, I think Wingnut to- was, didn't Wingnut come out in, like, the third wave so it's like you had the first, and then you had the second wave, then you had the third wave, which had, like, Wingnut and Screwloose. That sounds about right. He was pretty early on. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, because I, I think he was actually before uh, Ray Flay, and I know he's definitely before Mondo Gecko. 
So, cause I, I remember when, when that wave was coming out and I'm like, Oh man, I need to get this. So, but, um, I mean, it, it's kind of cool because it's not like He-Man and the Masters of the Universe where they create a toy and then they have to write a story about the toy. It was kind of like they were writing these stories and it was kind of at or around any of the stuff that, that was out at the time. They're like, all right, well, we already got a, we already got this stuff established. You know, we know they have skateboards with fans on the back, so let's use them. Let's put them in a comic. So, there's a lot. Of I always found that, that interesting. made it into like it's weird. Like there's as as many toys as there was, as many characters there were in the cartoon. Like there's a lot of episodes. There's a lot of characters in the cartoon that never became a toy, and a lot of toys that never became in any version of it ever. Oh, like like the guy in season six, what was his name, like Connor or something like that, oh, who would turn Carter, into the orange yeah. monster. Yeah, but also Carter, like, yeah. Like other ones like, um, oh goodness, there was also. Oh, I'm drawing a blank here, but there's the. Well, I know they finally made a Lord Dreg figure for the 2012 series. Yes, yes, yeah, but there was no Lord Dreg figure. There was no Tempestra figure. There was a bunch of great characters yep. that never became toys, and yeah, there was also a bunch of toys like scale tail and walkabout and all these other weird mutants that never became anything else which i i i want a walkabout story i want somebody to write it and was such a cool character like like just from like rule of cool alone it's like you could not beat this character it's like it's so awesome him and kid kangi walking around kind of like a outback version of lone wolf and cub you know they, they need to get on this maybe uh maybe they can get after jenica goes they can get uh you know them to uh get onto that because that would be a really cool story (laughs) yeah you know it's it's funny too because i I was just thinking about this and i'm like oh well what about tattoo and i'm like yeah even tattoo was in the comic yes so and he was in the cartoon as well yep yeah and um, you know his origin story but it made zero sense in the cartoon (laughs) i didn't think it made sense at all i didn't think it was a cool character i i think i've seen it like done better so it was it was one of those things where I never really connected with the guy. He was a hamster. You know, it's like a hamster? In the cartoon, it was a hamster, and they put mutagen on him and he turned into a sumo guy. Huh. That sounds like uh, It makes no sense like whatsoever, but that's what happened in the cartoon. It's like an episode of The Impossibles on Hulu. You know, it's like <laughs> it just no, doesn't make any sense. There's no logic to it whatsoever. It, at least in the comic book. He was like a sumo dude, and it made sense to some degree what he was. Um, but yeah, in the, in the in the cartoon, he was a hamster that got transformed into a sumo man, which again makes no sense. It makes no sense no, it's, even it, in the reality of mutant turtles. <laughs> wow, that's that's saying a lot, yeah. actually. And it's it's funny too because I, I was just thinking. I think um, a couple issues from now, we're going to be looking at the. Um, the secret agent spy that is uh, a chameleon, you know, he's going to show up. We never hear from him again. You know, <laughs> you know, I think maybe he shows up, but then there's, there's other characters like, um, I want to say Catman do who is a four armed tiger. Yes. Um, the only thing I can think that comes close to that is tiger claw, who is an amazing character. Yep. Um, but you know, we, we don't get to see those two. And, and yeah, I guess, um, we never got a toy for um, Dreadmond or um, or Jaguar, and I, I would have thought Jaguar would have fit in perfectly with like an, an animated Turtles line. Oh man, I think that would have been a great toy. Absolutely. Yeah. So you just can't complete your Mighty Mutant Animals because you don't have them. It's like, oh come on, get me a Dreadmond. Yeah. yeah. Those those two is like they just stand out. Like every time I'm trying to assemble 
my my toys of mutanimals. There there's uh, there's glaring omissions. So they they only made uh, the one wing nut too. Like uh, maybe that will be something that they add into like a NECA line or a Super Seven or something. That would be cool. I would I love to see that. I mean, maybe Nickel. I, I hope so. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I imagine so for sure. Because uh, a winglet, a screw loose figure. I don't know. I could. I'm. We're overdue for really good ones. I think. I mean, I, I like the old ones. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, like, I wouldn't mind seeing the cartoon versions of them because they showed up in the cartoon as well. So. Yeah, they did, and and that was um, I, I forget who voiced them, but um, really, really good versions of it, and um, it's. It's it's an iconic character. He's so he's so ridiculous. Um, I I love and and there's I forget it's like Out of the Shadows or something like that or Mutants in Manhattan. I think that's what it is. The the PlayStation game that uh, or an Xbox game. You know you you can actually fight him. He's like one of the villains, and you fight him in like an open construction site, and you have to fight him by jumping on a giant trampoline to hit him as he goes by and knock him down. It's pretty crazy. Oh, that game! I don't know. That's awesome. That's so cool. Oh, that's it's really fun. So you fight, um, you, you end up fighting um, uh, Armagon is in it. You fight uh, Bebop, Rocksteady, um, uh, Slash is a villain. You fight Karai, um, obviously Shredder and and uh, Krang. But towards the end, you actually get on top of um, like giant foot soldier mechs and you use those to fight. It's really out there. It's it's really innovative. Oh, that sounds awesome. I, I, I'm I'm so not. I mean, I, I have the old arcade games. Like I own Turtles in Time, and I have the one up machine, arcade one up machine. But I'm I'm just so not a gamer that like a lot, some of the newer games elude me. So, but that sounds awesome. And I mean, I think it's it's probably about like five years old at this point, and and sure. it came out on PlayStation three, um, and PlayStation four and Xbox and all that. So it's like it's something that exists. It's out there, but um, it, it just it was kind of an interesting thing because they were using some of these characters and the art style is all from the IDW series, um, like right around issue forty four and kind of on from there, right before like the Triceraton invasion. So all of that art was like that's the style of the game. It's pretty interesting. I think I might even own this game, but I've never played it. To my shame, I think I've, I think I might actually even own this thing and have not put it in the machine. That's well, it's 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 a fun game. It it um really challenging at times, but I was always hoping something like that where they would have like like uh, downloadable content or like some sort of extra where you can get the turtles in these costumes because it was so cool. Oh yeah, that's that's the hope at least. But um, that's pretty fun. But yeah, that that uh takes us to the issue, the end of these issues. Um, I am super happy that you uh, were able to join me because I didn't know the origin of these these costumes i didn't know that that's what they were planning with these yeah yeah it was uh, i i don't remember if it was i mean i'm sure it's both of them eastman and laird but that was originally there for a little while they were thinking about switching up the costumes and making them look like that because there were black and white books and even then they all wore red masks so they were thinking about switching them up so they look like that but they never did it i'm glad that they did something i mean i i have friends that absolutely swear by the red masks so it's like okay that's a thing i get it but you know for me i'm i'm happy with the different colors yeah same and um, I have seen at least one Mirage cover with the Donatello in this mask. I think he had like a Tonfa at the time. So I, I've seen at least one of them. I know. So oh, that's know. um, that's that's a flashback to before when they were still training, like before they went topside. I know what, what you're talking about. That's actually it's more like just kind of the, the full on bandana thing. And I think that might yeah, Raph, I think I forget. But that's like a flashback issue. I know the one you're talking about. 
I think you're right that it is Raph because he was using those things for a while. Yeah. And, um, and I mean, it, it's funny too, because that's, that's a really good weapon for him because like aggressively he could just beat the hell out of someone with him, like the night six and all that. So I, I could really see him using those. And, um, it, it's, and then when we get into the last Ronin, uh, area, you know, um, we got Mikey using them and making EMP pulses and things like that. So he's really utilizing them in the last Ronin issue there. Oh, true. Yeah. And also he used them in Michelangelo used them in next mutation. If I'm not mistaken, I think those were his issue his weapon in uh turtles next mutation. That makes sense because there has often been um, like they were saying in England and all that, it was illegal to even show nunchucks on, on TV. So they, they were uh, just, they're like, no, you can't do it. And I'm like, how do they, how do they show a Bruce Lee movie? You know, so. And even here, though, I, I they got kind of written out of the American cartoon. After a while, Michael Angelo was just using the grappling hook. Yeah, yeah, I was, and I used to call that the Saturday morning Ninja Turtles, oh, where, yeah. where you'd watch that. And I, I think it's probably after like season four, season five, or something like that, where you know it's pretty much it's like, okay, Michelangelo is going on an adventure with a grappling hook and something. That's that's what's happening, and that's pretty much what happened on those Saturday morning Ninja Turtles, which which was probably like five through seven of the seasons or whatever. But that that last season is down near unwatchable. Just the the art style, if if nothing else, is just it's such a hard watch. Yeah, when they're turning into monsters, it gets a little rough for sure. I, I it's just so divergent from what I was looking for yeah. at the time. It's just like ah, uh, yeah. But it gets better. We get two thousand three series. Yeah, it gets so much better. Yeah. So, and and that never once dipped in quality. You know, uh, and then we even got the movie. So and that was so good. That's yeah, I like that movie too. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna call that a wrap for this one. I'm gonna thank you so much. Uh, can you tell everybody where we can find your podcast? Yeah, so it's Turtle Tracks. Uh, I use SoundCloud primarily, but you can also find it on Apple Podcasts. But just Google uh, if you just uh, you can follow on Instagram too at Turtle Tracks Podcast. Um, it's really just purely interview based. Uh, I think I've done. I think I'm into like at this point up to like thirty three or thirty one or thirty two episodes. I've uh, been doing it for a few years. So uh, SoundCloud's the big one. Uh, Turtle Tracks podcast uh, on Instagram. You can give it a follow, and there's a link there, too. So, uh, yeah, that's that's the big one. Uh, Turtle Tracks podcast. You can just Google that, and it'll, it'll pop up, I'm sure. Thanks. And uh, I know you are definitely on iTunes. That's where I found it. Oh, cool. Great. Good to know. <laughs> thanks, man. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Brian. And uh, I appreciate uh, having you. Thanks for having me, Justin. I appreciate it. After my recording with Brian, I made a point to go and look up the Intergalactic Wrestling cassette, and um, I'm happy to say that I was able to find it on YouTube. So here now I'm going to share the intro to the Intergalactic Wrestling cassette and the intro he was talking about for A Crying Hound. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in Intergalactic Wrestling and Other Adventures. Boys, I'd like to introduce your opponent... That forearm scourge of the Bohunkian galaxy, Cryin' Hound! The turtles turned as a humongo hound dog type with four gargantuan arms entered the room. It had four hands that looked about the right size to pick up a turtle by the neck. My name, my name is Cryin' Hound! 
Hi, this is Adam, a.k.a. Casey Jones from Casey Jones Livewire, and you're listening to Epic Tales from the Sewers. Time for a knuckle sandwich, punk. All right, dudes, and now with your Mikey moment of the week, here is the bodacious Andy Doyle. Cowabunga! Whoa. Cowabunga, dudes. It's time for your Mikey moment of the week. Now, Mr. Leonard says that Leatherhead is ornery because he's got all them teeth and, and no toothbrush. But I think the reality is that Leatherhead's a good guy underneath of that thick hide. Uh, I think he just misunderstood. And, and yeah, just share a pizza with him sometime and you'll see he, he really is one of the good guys. Catch you next week, dudes. It's pizza time. And now in a segment we'd like to call Pizza Time, here's Mr. Andy Doyle with a real-life pizza recipe from the Ninja Turtles cookbook or a description of one of the pizzas that was either seen in the episode or in the comic. It's pizza time. Cowabunga, dudes. It's time for your pizza recipe for the week. This week we're going to take a look at the Raging Cajun Shrimp and Sausage Pizza. By gumbo, I think you're going to like this pizza recipe. <laughs> I guarantee The ingredients that you're going to need for this pizza recipe is one 13.8-ounce tube of refrigerated thin crust or classic pizza dough, or you can use one pound of homemade pizza dough, a half a tablespoon of olive oil, a half pound of fresh Cajun sausage, casing removed, 18 medium raw shrimp peeled, divided, and tails removed, 3 fourths cup of Cajun seasoning, 2 cups of shredded pepper jack cheese, a half of cup of prepared firehouse roasted pizza sauce, 2 tablespoons grated parmesan cheese, and a 2 tablespoons of thinly sliced basil. Then saute the sausage in the drippings for about 20 seconds. Do not overcook. Remove from heat. Step 4. To assemble the pizza in a small bowl, mix a half teaspoon Creole seasoning with pizza sauce. Spread over crust, adjust the amount of seasoning to taste. Mo hotter, mo better. Sprinkle a half cup of shredded pepper jack cheese and the sausage and shrimp arrange evenly on top. Sprinkle with the remaining cup of shredded pepper jack cheese and parmesan cheese. Place in the oven for 16 to 18 minutes until cheese is bubbly and the crust is golden. Adjust cook time using homemade pizza dough. Step 7. Sprinkle with sliced fresh basil and serve. Wow, you'll have to forgive me on those directions. They got a little wet with uh, some of the old bayou water. So, uh, you know, don't burn your mouth on the hot pizza or the hot seasonings, dudes. And we'll catch you next week. Thank you for listening to the Epic Tales from the Sewers podcast. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were created by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. This podcast has no affiliation with Eastman, Laird, IDW, Archie Comics, Nickelodeon Studios, or any other turtle properties. This podcast is part of the Epic Sewers podcast network. Check out our other great shows, both turtle-related and not. Epic Tales from the Sewers is recorded by Justin Cooper with featuring Andy Doyle. Are you looking for a gift for the nostalgic nerd in your life? Try a candle from the Euphoric Tree Fort. Nostalgic novelty gifts for nerds. From birthdays to holidays, or just because, waft these smell-o-vision candles with fragrances from your favorite shows such as... 
Bob's Burgers, Simpsons, Dr. Seuss, Rick and Morty, Futurama, Adventure Time, Harry Potter, James and the Giant Peach, The Nightmare Before Christmas, Coraline, The Rugrats, Steven Universe, My Hero Academia, Dragon Ball Z, One Punch Man, Pokemon, Death Note, and Fairly Odd Parents. These soy candles won't gunk up your walls because they're dye-free, cruelty-free, and soot-free. Also, free souvenirs in every order over $20 and free shipping on orders over $75. With exciting scents like Nog, featuring eggnog and brandy, Christmas in Whoville, Fir Tree, Peppermint Bread and Sugar Plum, Truffula Tree, Butterfly Milk and Birch Tree, Mmm, Donuts, Donuts and Pink Icing, and the ever-popular Macon Bacon Pancakes, featuring bacon and buttermilk pancake and maple. They say that smell is the strongest sense tied to memory, and if these candles don't make you nostalgic, nothing will. And remember, if you use promo code ETFS10, you'll get a discount. Check out the website, euphorictreefort.com, for smell-o-vision candles and nostalgic gifts. Don't forget to use our code. Hi, everyone. This is Justin from the Fantastic Podcast. It's a show all about fan experiences from the things that we love. So whether it's your favorite musician, your favorite actor, maybe it could be about your favorite sports team, or maybe just uh, someone that you spent time with watching something that you loved when you were a kid. These are the kind of stories that we talk about. We uh, usually do a couple stories, and uh, it's a shorter podcast, so you can listen to it on lunch at work. So please check us out at the Fantastic Podcast. You can find us where most podcasts are found. You can also find us on social media. Thanks a lot, and check out the Fantastic Podcast. Hey there, this is JB. And if you enjoy Tales from the Crypt, then check out my show, Tales from the Podcast, where myself, and usually a very special guest, sit down to discuss the TV show, the films, the animated series, as well as the original comics. So check me out every other week on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and of course, at TalesFromThePodcast.com. Thanks for listening, kiddies. You're all a scream. (laughs) Terrificon, Connecticut's number one Comic-Con is back at Mohegan Sun on July 30th to August 1st. Meet actors and superheroes. Shop for cool stuff. It's three days of Comic-Con fun. Terrificon, Connecticut's number one Comic-Con at Mohegan Sun, July 30th through August 1st. Learn more at Terrificon.com. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. We have very active lifestyles. It's not all wandering the countryside aimlessly or scaring passing motorists. We all love a good cup of joe. And there's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds Coffee is my guilty pleasure. Bold, robust, delicious. It's coffee that can wake the dead. (laughs) With over a dozen different roasts and flavors, Deadly Grounds can satisfy the most finicky of coffee addicts. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. 